I'm Peter Medlin, and you are listening to Teacher's Lounge from WNIJ. And if this is your first time hearing our show, I've got good news. It's a really simple idea. We've all had teachers in our lives who help shape who we are. And we want you to be a part of this show with us. Every educator we have on the podcast, whether it's a teacher, a coach, or a professor, is nominated by the people who listen. So please do tell us about the educators who've inspired you and the people in your community who deserve a spotlight. You can email us with your nominations and your story ideas at teacherslounge at niu.edu. This week, Eugene Kalingashan is a special education teacher at Jones Farrar, an international baccalaureate world school in Freeport, Illinois. And I talked to them about his journey from growing up in poverty in the Philippines, the dedication it took to get his degree, all the way to teaching special education in the United States. We also get into what it means to teach at an international baccalaureate world school, how his own childhood experiences and trauma help him advocate for his students now, and so, so much more. It's a a really great conversation. You're not going to want to miss Eugene's story. But before we jump into that, I have one more education story I want to share. A Northern Illinois University audiology professor just returned from Poland aiding Ukrainian refugees with hearing loss, some of whom had their hearing damaged during Russian missile strikes. And I got to talk with her and her students about the humanitarian project called Heart of Hearing. A 20-year-old Ukrainian girl had to flee her home with her family in the middle of the night. Before the war, she already had profound hearing loss, but in the rush to escape and survive Russian bombing, she couldn't grab her hearing aids. And for the last year, she's been mostly nonverbal and hasn't been able to communicate with her family. But in March, she and her family came to a testing center in Krakow, Poland, with NIU audiology professor Dr. King Chung and her heart of hearing team. The group, made up of students and faculty from several universities, including NIU and the University of Sao Paulo in Brazil, were giving hearing tests and fitting refugees with hearing aids. The project was also arranged through the Jewish Community Center in Krakow. When she came to us, we thought that she had intellectual disability because when we talked to her and then she didn't respond or, you know, just didn't know what was going on and then didn't want us to touch her ears. And then her mom calmed her down, and then we fitted the hearing aids, and then she just started to cry. The girl could finally talk to her family again. Dr. Chung says she was so excited, and her mom was crying too. That girl was one of 150 Ukrainian refugees whose hearing Dr. Chung's team tested on their initial trip in November of last year. And they found significant hearing loss with nearly half of them. And many patients' hearing loss was caused by the acoustic trauma of Russia's bombings and artillery. Emily Koprud is a third-year audiology doctoral student at NIU, and she was part of the second hard-of-hearing trip this March, working at a clinic fitting people with hearing aids. If there's like a loud bomb that goes off nearby or something along those lines, it can put a hole in your eardrum. It's called a perforation, and it can really impact your hearing depending on how large that hole is. Um, We saw some individuals that had been so close to a blast that their eardrum was essentially gone. Dr. Chung remembers a father and son who were caught in the bombings, and the explosions were so close that the father was thrown to the floor and fell on the side of his face. We found that he had asymmetric hearing loss. He fell onto the right ear, so the right ear was close to the ground, so then that was shielded from the acoustic trauma. The left ear then was exposed more to the explosion. 
Dr. Chung says finding almost half of the refugees with significant hearing loss was surprising. The team brought four hearing aids on that first trip, and they found they needed 60. That's when Dr. Chung knew they had to do something about it. She reached out to the hearing aid manufacturer ReSound, and it donated 125 rechargeable hearing aids. Northern Illinois University was also able to crowdfund almost $8,000 to buy more equipment and fund student travel so they could return to fit the hearing aids. That second trip in March is when Koprud and fellow NIU doctoral student Clara Rabb came to Poland. And the team stuffed all of their clothes into one suitcase because they were worried about the expensive, delicate equipment being damaged. All our carry-on luggage was like filled with hearing aids and all the tools needed. Rab retested the patient's hearing and Koprud fitted them with hearing aids. Rab said they had translators and just tried to go slow and make sure the patients were comfortable. They helped kids as young as seven all the way up to a refugee over 100 years old. And to make sure the hearing aid was as fine-tuned as possible, they did real ear measures to see how the patient's ear canal naturally resonates with sound. You have to make sure nothing is ever too soft or too loud. And their high-quality hearing aids also have directional microphones and feedback reduction algorithms. They even have Bluetooth, so patients can sync up the hearing aids with a cell phone and adjust them with an app. They fit 44 Ukrainians with hearing aids in March, and Dr. Chung's group is testing another 24 on her current trip. If you think about the people who got out of Ukraine have those kind of uh, noise-induced trauma, then think about the people in Ukraine. Dr. Chung says she doesn't know if people realize that hearing is not just about hearing. So Helen Keller said that blindness separates people from things, but deafness separates people from people. She says that's especially true for people without access to sign language learning. And they worry about Ukrainians with hearing loss having trouble communicating their needs or even hearing warnings or sirens. But Rab says she was blown away by the hope and resilience of the refugees. I can't tell you how many people were crying through our clinic, just like so excited to be able to talk to their spouse again and hear their voice, hear their children, their grandchildren. One woman brought us this large, like, tart because, and she was crying the whole time and kissing us on the cheeks. This isn't Hard of Hearing's first or last humanitarian trip. And Dr. Chung is back in Poland now, and she says she hopes to keep returning and hopefully make it into Ukraine itself. All right, now it's time for my conversation with Jones Farrar International Baccalaureate World School Special Education teacher, Eugene Kalingashon. We start off with Eugene explaining what exactly a world school even is. IB program is actually a network of schools implementing the program wherein they, we, we implement certain framework. And what I understand is that um, the end result will be for us to train inquiring people, knowledgeable people, people who, who understand and appreciate uh, cultures. Um, in other words, we're training people to become global thinkers. That's the beauty about that program. And so this program actually is being implemented with just some selected schools. I know in Chicago, there's a couple in there, but there's like a process for a school to implement that. And there are like requirements. So every now and then, we get accredited whether we are still compliant or not ever compliant. We, we, if, if whether we can still carry on the IB label or not right. anymore, something like that. Yeah. yeah. 
And you're from the Philippines. Are there, for it being like a world school and embracing culture, are there other like international teachers that teach there too? Or um, we, I've learned that we have an IB program in there for the rich and the famous. Um, yeah, um, it's more of I don't know if you've heard of Manny Pacquiao. Um, his yeah, the course. Filipino boxer. Yeah. Um, his and politician his, now too, right? Yes. Um, yeah. And um, his kids went to that school. Um, Grant International, something like that, and um, yeah. when in there, it's more of you can you can select IB uh, and all other international programs. But what I know is that there's like one or two private schools, never a public school implementing because definitely a public school can't afford. It's a different setup here yeah. because it's more of the public schools here in the U.S. get much of the funding compared to the private school. But in the Philippines, more of um, the private school has a lot of money because that's where the rich and the famous go. So, right. yeah. Interesting. And yeah. so I'm, I'm curious, again, like, did you always want to be a teacher or was it something that came to you later in life? Um, it's more of poverty pushed me to, to get education, uh, Peter. Hmm. Um, you know, during our basic ed days, elementary high school, one of the the compositions, we got that composition writing or essays that were asked is, uh, what do you want to pursue when, when you grow up? But, and it's more of what gets into my head is to become a singer, to become a celebrity, things like that. And then that- Are you a singer? Can you sing? I can a little bit. In fact, I stream on Twitch. I have an account in there and- No um, kidding, can we plug that? I'd love to see that. Sure. Um, and. Uh, I, I regularly stream Fridays nine in the evening Chicago time. But, what kind of what kind of music are we playing on, on Twitch? Um, pop, classic, music that goes with my age. I'm close to being a senior citizen <laughs> here, and so those are the type of music that I do. And, oh, sure, um, sure, sure. For this Friday, I'll be part of the raid train. It's like on Twitch, you get to raid a, a streamer, and so I'll be part of that. And I think I'll be raided by somebody from Malaysia. And then right after my show, I'll be rating somebody from the UK. It's, it's, it's actually um, organized by somebody from, from Australia. And it's oh, wow. my second time to be participating in that. And so, yeah, I can sing a little bit. And then I, because um, my dream is to become a celebrity, then I've tried auditioning for um, reality TV in the Philippines. I did two. I don't know if you've heard of Big Brother House, something like that. It's a UK program. We have mm -hmm. a version of that. I auditioned in that just for the sake of self-actualization. But then eventually I realized that that's not for me. I even wanted to become a broadcaster because I really want to be on, on TV, things like that. But that's not for me. And I've realized that I'm not into that because I don't enjoy getting attention from people. It's more of... I'm into the classroom, just behind the scenes, things like that, helping people. But I've, I've mentioned about poverty and what, how that drove me to get education. Um, I'm part of the poorest of the poor in, in my country. Like mm -hmm. my mom was a laundry woman. My dad was hearing impaired. So it's more of, of my parents don't have a stable job to support the family. I don't remember because back in the Philippines, um, Recess that provided, like here in the U.S., we're in, we, we give food for, for, for lunch and breakfast and recess time to our kids. But over there, it's more we have students will have to be uh, providing their own money for recess. And I can't remember, Peter, a day that 
I have money in my pocket. So it's more of I'm good at masking, like pretending that I'm just okay. Like if you'll ask me how are you, I my my quickest my quickest response uh, will be I'm okay, I'm good because yeah, of course. it's it's more of I'm trained to do that. I'm trained to pretend that I'm okay because uh, back then during recess time, uh, my tendency will be to pretend that I'm busy because I don't want to look like a loser not eating something while the rest will be will be eating recess. That's too painful for me. And um, we we wash the clothes in the neighborhood for us to have food on the table and just just the basic food, not even the decent ones of like rice, rice and vine and things like that. No, yeah. uh, that's not the, the thing that we're doing. And um, I was able to finish my college degree without electricity, just the, 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 the kerosene lamp. Are you familiar of that? It's oh, just yeah. like a jar with 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 a cloth at the top and then powered by a kerosene that's that's our life and um i even had experienced rejections from relatives like my mom really wanted me to to get a college education and she really sure. wanted me to to become a teacher later on i realized that that was her frustration she only got uh sixth grade as her educational degree because uh, not educational degree, but the highest uh, level of education because right after um, she finished gr- sixth grade, it's more of she was sent to work as a house nanny, something like that. Yeah. So th- that's how it goes when you're from a poor family over there. And so um, when my mom was like going into our relatives to ask for like support, if they can help me, to enroll, to enroll in um, in a university, it's more of we were told that, you know what, your son is just being too ambitious. Um, he will never get there. What are you What are you thinking? What are you talking about? You're poor. You will end up just being poor. Um, tell him to, to forget about getting into that. But um, another, another realization that I've learned in life and the things that happened to me, Peter, was, you know what? I believe in God and God actually distinct people to be where they are. And yeah. uh, God planned me to be in this, in, in, in this profession. And so because I finished in the top 10% in high school, and so it's more of, I'm more or less qualified to, to enroll, uh, to, to get scholarships. Yeah. And because of scholarships, um, I was sponsored by Rotary Club and then there's another, um, organization that sponsored me, I was able to finish my, my college degree. And the only choice that I have is education because they won't sponsor any other program. I wanted to do mass communication because like I told you, I wanted to work in the broadcast. Yeah. Right? Yeah. But that, that didn't happen. And so I told my mom, um, when I finish this and when I, when I get a job and send my siblings, then I will go back uh, to become to to per, to fulfill my uh, mass communication degree, but that didn't happen. I've realized that's not for me, and um, yeah, that's that's my life. And I remember that because we're asked to wear uniform, that I only have one T-shirt as a uniform from my first year to my fourth year, and um, because I belong to the dim's list group before peter then whenever yeah. it's honors day um we have to be going around the neighborhood to borrow uh outfit to wear during during ceremonies things like that that's my life 
um, very difficult, very hard, a lot of rejection, and poverty drove me to get into this. And another thing that um, pushed me to to get into education, especially special education, was my dad was hearing impaired, and um, mm. I was I was actually a product of trauma, trauma from poverty, trauma from violence in a family, yeah. having a dad who never got to school, who never got and received any services out, out of being a special needs person. And I've realized later on why, what, because I, I, I kept thinking, why, why does our dad before chase us with knives and wanting to kill us, why does he want it to be drunk all the time? And uh, I realized getting, after getting special education, that's actually part of the ill effects of not understanding um, his disability because nobody advocated for him. No, nobody explained to him that he has a disability and this is, and he has limitations in life. That out of getting our attention and um, getting a way for us to be connected with him is to do, to be violent, something like that. So that's yeah. my realization, yeah. Now, it's interesting too, because you talked about like when you're a kid and you're on the playground and you're pretending like everything is fine, right? And trauma, I'm sure that helps you now in the position that you're at as a teacher, and especially in special education, to having been that, to know how to identify when students are doing that or identify those red flags of when students are going through some kind of trauma because you've been there and you know what that looks yeah. like. Yeah, and it helped me uh, advocate more for my students Yeah, that whenever I find that they need to be provided with this, that I really have to make a noise for them to get it. Um, in fact, um, I have a student uh, who I feel very guilty, Peter, because um, my schedule in a day is so back to back that um, I even have to sacrifice my lunch and uh, my planning time because I have a huge caseload. But I really feel that um, this student deserves more small group, more one-on-one -on -one -on -one time with me that I told my principal, you know what? I volunteer my 3.30 to 4 just to tutor this student. Um, but the principal insisted, uh, well, I have to pay you. And I told her, if it gives you problem looking for money to pay for me, what I told you, uh, Madam Principal, is I will do this voluntarily because I find the need for this student to do more. Um, I don't want that this student will be moving to first grade, lacking these skills because the more that he will struggle. And I know if that if a student struggles, then the tendency will be for the student to quit or for the student to develop a behavior that's not nice. And so, yeah, and um, getting through all of the difficulties in life um, gave me a lot of opportunities to know my students better, to know and how to help them more 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 importantly to advocate more for them right and like again you always have to advocate for students but you know especially when they're younger and you know you teach in first through third grade right or around that yeah. age range uh, and especially kindergarten to third grade 
kindergarten through third grade, and then especially when we're talking about students that have disabilities or students that are on IEPs that, that, that you teach too. So it's like the students that you especially have to be advocating for, right? Yeah, yeah. Now, I'm curious, you know, you talked about how like this was something that based on the scholarships and stuff that like you kind of had to pursue education and you had it in the back of your mind, maybe one day after I'm able to help out the family, maybe I'll go back into broadcast. Do you remember, was there ever a point where the switch flipped a little bit and you're like, actually, education is something that I, I really like or feel like I'm really good at and I can, you know, advocate for students in that way and, you know, started having realizations about your own family. Do you remember, was that, or was it something that the entire time you, you actually did enjoy the study of education or, or how did that no. work? Um, no. I tried my best to be a good student and um, yeah. during student teaching, it's more of I got a good feedback from my mentors. Yeah. But I know that and um, Lately, Peter, I've realized that probably I'm also partly autistic because I have a son that, aside from my dad, who is special needs, I, my third son is uh, having developmental delay, but I'm seeing a lot of autistic characteristics in him. And mm -hmm. so um, I thought of, he probably got that from me. Uh, I know I'm weird. Uh, and I, I, I know I have weird traits on me. Um, and one of the things that I hate, Peter, is something that's repetitive. And mm -hmm. writing is one of, uh, one of the things I hate. And um, when you're a teacher, you get to write lesson plans every day. And lesson planning in the Philippines is way traumatic than what we're doing here. We're stringent with lesson planning. That's crazy. It's stupid over there, Peter. Um, <laughs> and uh, and uh, I, I teach there because that's part of, of my advocacy um, to help Philip, uh, public school students. And we've talked about uh, streaming and the earnings that I get, the revenues that I get are actually used to help the public schools um, in the Philippines. Like, oh, wow, that's amazing. Yeah, and um, that's my way of like helping because like I said, I'm a product of the public school. My heart is in public education. I believe in the transformational value of public school because I'm a product of that. If not, if, if not because of public school, if not because my teachers told me that I have the potential and they believed in me, I could have not pursued education and I could have just like uh, quit along the way. There were, during my, during my university days, there were times that I told my mom that I'm gonna quit because, um, it's too much for me. Like poverty is really hitting me. And then the things that's going on with my dad is actually uh, something that's unbearable. But my mom uh, told me, well, if, if you will do that, you can do that. But will you be able to stand working in the field at the back of our house? And I, I tried it, Peter, for the sake of like, um, convincing myself that, you know, this is better than going into the university with uh, in utmost poverty, but I can't stand being under the heat of the sun. And so I said, well, I'll just continue this. And um, right after I finished my, my degree, I was hired right away in a, in a private school. So it's like a four hour bus drive. It's in the middle of a huge, the, the, the second or the third biggest city in the Philippines. 
So yeah, let's I, see. I, I, I was I was with Asian Learning Center, and it, it's like uh, I work with the with with the wealthy people. And um, first three years, I don't like my work. Like it, it, it's repetitive. Um, there's a lot, there's a lot of demands. And so the third year, I thought of like because I work with with parents who are managers of Philippine Airlines, who are managers of Shangri-La Hotel. These are like big companies in the Philippines. I thought, oh, why don't I switch uh, career? And so I resigned. I applied for Philippine Airlines. I already- You got, actually did, you actually resigned. Yes, because I thought of like, oh, I love their uniform. They, they look great in their uniform. And so I said, why don't I get into that? Um, I think, um, I have the height and I have the degree and I can speak something like that. The height? Yeah, because there's a height requirement when you're when you're a flight attendant in the Philippines. It's way crazy over there with the requirements. Like there's like a, a, an age uh, requirement. There they have to check your teeth whether uh, you have like a complete set and they have to check your skin. And it's my skin that actually disqualified me because I have oh. actually have warts on, on, on my on my on my left arm and so i said um this is not for me and while i was staying home and um pondering upon upon where i will go it's more of i missed the noise in the classroom i missed that and um i thought of like why don't i reapply and good thing about about that private school was they liked me and so it was easy come back for me from then on, Peter, it's more of I surrendered that this should be the profession for me. And then in between, I tried like Big Brother audition, and then I, I auditioned for Dream Academy. It's like a singing uh, reality show in the in the Philippines, but now um, I, I didn't get that. So, did you have to send in like a submission tape to those to those reality shows, or what does that look like? I have to to say in a line like for Big Brother, I remembered my. My number was like thousand something, so yeah. I have to wait for for my my turn to like cross the stage, not even stand in there. Just or probably we were made to stand in there for like less than five seconds and then move. Just that, but the waiting uh, for for my my turn to be on that stage was like hours. God, you have to be yeah. like, I, I'm wearing long sleeves. I don't want the, the warts. You know, this is going to be the airline all over again. <laughs> yeah, but I, I'm now enjoying teaching and um, I get the opportunities to travel to the U.S. Uh, supposedly, my coming to the U.S. was part of the teacher program. The plan, okay. because I like, I, like I've mentioned, uh, from the private school, I work in the public school, but then some, my 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 master's professor found me over there and she said, I, I will invite you to join in the, in the College of Ed and the State University. And so I, I joined them. And then after three years, they asked me to, to be part or leading into being the program chair. I was already an assistant dean in the College of Ed. They, they wanted me to assume the deanship position so it's more of part of, of part of the training was you have to be the program chair, you have to run like graduate programs, things like that. They wanted yeah. they they asked me to do the special ed. But 
when, when, when you are in a university, it's more of the mindset is you should be ahead of your students because you will be producing teachers. So your knowledge, your skill sets should be way, way ahead of, of the teachers that you're producing. And I don't feel that. And so I said, um, why don't I join in this program? And so they sent me to Singapore to do benchmarking and then learn from the practices. They also sent me to Beijing to learn about the, the education in China. And well, so I still realized that no, I still need more. And why don't I join into this teacher exchange program between the U.S. and the Philippines, uh, sending J1 teachers in the in the U.S. And so my first assignment was the Washington State. I had a great time over there. They paid me well over there. And while I was there, I get paid in the Washington State. Well, at the same time, paid in the Philippines because I'm still connected with them. That's not bad. Yeah. And, but, but then our visa was like, after five years, you have to go home right. and implement your learnings in the U.S., in the Philippines. But Freeport School District and the state of Illinois changed that for us. It's more of that didn't happen. They changed our the Freeport School District, my current district, um, sponsored my visa. And so right now um, I'm, I'm having a work visa. And with a work visa, I'm not compelled to go home to the Philippines and implement uh, the two-year residency in there to implement the program out of that J-1 agreement within the U.S. and the Philippines. And, but uh, as a way of giving back, because like I've said, uh, my inspirations to public school, I volunteer there as a um, virtual professor for their MA in special ed program. I get to comment about their, their, um, uh, their course offering over there. So I'm still connected with that university. And at the same time, uh helping the public schools yeah oh that's fascinating do you want to eventually go back to the philippines or what is that what do you think my heart is in there because i have several properties in there i have a little farm yeah. over there uh peter yeah. like i said i don't enjoy the spotlight i don't enjoy attention from people um i enjoy being with my animals i have five dogs over over there i have goats i have turkeys i have chickens things like that how often do you get to go back um it but it's more of i'll probably go back there after i spend 10 years here in illinois where sure. i get pension something like that yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. But, but i'm not saying that i'm not enjoying here illinois is such a beautiful place I, I don't know if you're born and raised here, but this is actually one of the states where I see friendly people. Like um, here in Freeport City, um, it's more of people help one another. And if you'll ask, how is it at Jones Farrar? Um, it's the same thing. It's more of people are so welcoming, people are help, helpful, people are supporting one another, things like that, which is beautiful. And so we purchase a house here. So that means to say, we're going to be staying here longer i think so we're not having conversations of like moving uh to other districts i only our only hope is for 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 the government to pay more to the teachers because teachers actually deserve to get more especially here in, in illinois absolutely well i'm so glad to hear that illinois has been so kind and welcoming to you you don't find that? Are you born and raised no, here? No, no, no. I am born and raised here. I, I do find it to be that that way, but yeah. I'm glad that, that you've also had that experience. Yes, and I can easily compare. Like, my first day here, um, after arriving from the Washington State, it's more of, of the principal gave me a tour. 
by the time yeah. I get into the the building, it's more. But I can tell the difference of how mm. uh, the environment and the people. And then when I went to our uh, to the house that we rent, it's more of uh, the neighbors were like sending flowers um, in in the front door, and really? then pe- people were asking how are we something like that. And uh, later on, the, I've we've we've learned that it's more of people in our community are more or less connected to each other. So if you do something bad, everyone gets to know. That, 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 that's <laughs> yeah. also what I've learned. Yeah, for sure. They care about everyone here. I love that. Yeah. You know, I think that, you know, this entire show is kind of built on the idea that everyone's had a teacher that inspired them or, or you know, helped them become the person that they are today. And... I think that special education teachers, so like in general, teachers don't get enough of a spotlight or even just enough, you know, support. And I think that's especially true when it comes to special education teachers, right? Like I think that there's a lot of people that don't even really, you know, if they don't have personal experience with special education, might not even know what like your day-to-day schedule even looks like as a teacher. But I think that you mentioned at the top with your, you know, when you had to write in your essays and stuff for the awards that they asked you to describe different special projects or different things that you've been working on. I'm curious, can you tell us just a little bit about uh, the work that you do at Jones Farrar and about, uh, you know, your work in special education here? Sure. Um, that started last year where um, it's more of, and I, I, I've experienced this uh, in my old district that when you're a SPED teacher, uh, just do your thing and, and I'll be doing my thing, something like that. So after the IEP meeting, it's more of uh, we have we have to put our signatures in there, and then I will implement the goals. When you're when you're the speech pathologist, you have to implement your goal. When you're the gen ed teacher, you have to deal with the day. But yeah. here, what we're doing at Jones Far is we we collaborate every now and then, every now and then, Peter. And so I'm known here in the building as Mr. C, because my last name is Kalingashan, which is crazy. Um, <laughs> so I term, I, I name that project as Monthly Resolution Collaboration, which is like some sort of an acronym of Mr. C, something like that, which is oh, really- Oh, that's funny, that, yeah, that's yeah. really good. Uh, but that program is actually uh, that members of the team will have to collaborate every now and then to support one another as members of the team, but most especially to support uh, the gen ed teacher and the student for for the two to be extra successful at the end of each day. So every now and then we keep troubleshooting. If there's a behavior, we address that. Um, So we always convene and we put our heads together depending on our expertise. Whoever has the expertise will have to be telling us how to resolve that issue. What will be our strategies to resolve that? And so here at Jones Farrar, our gen ed teachers uh, are well supported. Our students have greater success because they are supported, even parents. Like um, there was there was this student, um, class of behavior. Uh, she is hitting and um, she's throwing, things like that. Um, and it's more of we're baffled as to the purpose of that behavior. And we, we, 
we came up with a strategy like social story. Uh, social story is when you create a story that that you have to review this story at the beginning of the day for the student to be reminded. And then when that behavior comes up that you have to re revisit the story until such time that the student will internalize that he or she will not have to be doing this because it doesn't make the peer happy. It doesn't make uh, the teacher happy, things like that. And so the parent was reading the progress report and she texted me. Uh, there's a mention here of um, a social story. What is this about? Because it was also her first time to hear about it. Mm -hmm. And um, I, I, I called her and, and, and told her about it. And um, in the last meeting that we had for the annual review, it's more of I've presented that, you know, that social story actually helped the student a lot in, with, with behavior management. And the parent was asking, um, can, can you give me a copy of that? Uh, that way I can also review that at home. And mm -hmm. then another thing that, um, another impact of that was like, whenever, whenever we find that the student is not progressing well with, with, with academics, then, mm -hmm. we, then I can help speech pathologists. Can you, can you support um, uh, me in this, in this skill? Can you also spend like minutes uh, to, to, to do this? And then occupational therapy, how can you support me with this? It's more of we are connected. We are all in for our students, which is, our, which is the, the tagline of yeah. our district as well, all in for all kids. And then whenever parents uh, can't make it, say, I have here foster parents, which are grandparents of this student who's having uh, a mom who's a drug addict that's not visible uh, already, and then a dad who is in prison. So this student is left with grandparents, and they are old, and they don't have uh, that much knowledge navigating technology. And so they've expressed during pandemic that they really can show up because um, it's, it's not yet uh, open for parents to go into building. And so I said, well, I can go to your house and then we can, I can run the IEP meeting over there, uh, which is great. Um, so it's more of this monthly resolution collaboration is aimed at supporting one another with a greater purpose of supporting the student be even more successful at school. Yeah, and you know, special education teachers, I feel you always have more of a relationship with students' families, right? Because you have to work with them through IEP meetings, you know, and progress reports and things like that. But I think that for so many teachers, even outside of special education, right, it, it was a time where that extra collaboration between teachers and families and teachers and teachers was kind of forced, like you had to do it because of the constraints of the virtual learning and all of that type of stuff. Yeah. And so I, I'm sure that for special education teachers, it was I obviously just an incredibly challenging time because of the circumstances, but also that reminder of like breaking down the walls in the classroom and making sure that everyone is communicating with each other, you know, between the teachers and also between the families, right? Right. Yeah. Uh, here's a, and for you, like, do you feel like after having gone through this, you know, virtual and the last couple of years of the pandemic, which is obviously such a challenge and such a challenge specifically for special education students, 
do you feel like are there any lessons that we learned from these last couple years that we feel like we are able to take with us into the future and into now is it just that extra you know paying attention to collaboration between people or like do we feel like we've learned anything that is useful from that experience that we can take with us um there there's actually a lot of good end results yeah. of the pandemic and um one of the things that i love was flexibility with iet meetings it used to be that it has to be in person and 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 it stresses case managers to ensure that parents really show up but uh with the pandemic it's more of virtual meetings came to fruition like um it, it became open that a parent can just can just join the meeting through phone, something like that. And parents can electronically put their signatures. That didn't happen before. So it's more of as a case manager, whenever I'm, I'm, I'm seeing that the parent's signature is that on there, that stresses me because as much as possible, um, I really want the parents to be well-informed and be involved in the education of their students. And if they don't show up, because they're also constrained with work and, and, and other things, then that 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 gives me uh additional stress but with the pandemic it's more of i can make it happen like i can i can open options for parents um do you want this meeting to be in person uh do you want this to be virtual uh do you want me to provide you with a link something like that the only thing that i don't like with with the pandemic was virtual instruction i i hate it because um especially when when i get to work with groups uh, it was very stressful, very painful to overthrow it because I get to yell, something like that. I really have to make sure that my voice is, is really that powerful for them to hear me. And then there's connection problem, things like that. But there's actually advantages to, to, to the pandemic. And uh, another thing that I realized was, you know, I thought that I was okay with what I, I was doing in the classroom. But because of the pandemic, it's more of it made me upgrade my skill set. Um, in what I way? Was going, uh, in a lot of ways, like I have to make sure that I know how to use the technology and um, how to make technology engaging mm -hmm. to my students who's having uh, special needs, things like that. Right. So, I've only got a couple more questions for Eugene. I know you've had a long day, so I want to I want to make sure I get out of your hair in a, in a couple yeah. minutes here. But you know, we talked a little bit about your education growing up, public schools in the Philippines, and you know, we always ask the question of if you've had a teacher at any point in your experience that really just inspired you, or really that you look back on and thought, "Wow, that really helped me a lot." We find in this show that either it's one way or another, right? It's either someone had that teacher and they're like, I want to be that for someone else, or they didn't have that teacher and they say, I want to make sure that that doesn't happen to someone else. I want to yeah. make sure that I can be that for someone else. Sometimes it's a little bit of both. Uh, what do you yeah. think about when we say that? I actually have, and it's my second grade teacher. Yeah. And um, whenever I'm, I'm asked that question, that I'm quick to point her name. And what was she her name? Was Corazon Pinheiro. Mm. Um, she was the one who told me that, you know what, Eugene, um, you have the potential because I, from first grade, we did, I, I was part of that curriculum that don't have 
kindergarten before. Mm. So our first level was first grade. And from first grade um, through sixth grade, I was third honors. Uh, I, I always in that spot because we have that kind of um, awarding at the end of the year in the Philippines. And um, in second grade, it's more of Mrs. Pinheiro told me that, you know what, Eugene, you have, you have a potential. If, if you will work hard, you will become somebody in the future. And you know what? That stuck into my head and into my soul, Peter. And um, whenever, whenever I am constrained with the challenges in life, yeah, of course. That voice is is the one that will remind me that you know what? It's just a challenge. It's just a tribulation. Your aspirations, your your dreams in life is always bigger than the challenges you're facing. And, and with that, it's more of, as a teacher, I also want to be like Mrs. Pinheiro. I also want to be that one voice into the lives of my students. Um, that whenever they're, in, they're struggling, whenever they're, they're bombarded with challenges, that, that I should be the one who will remind them that you know what, this is just part of life. And, and that Mr. C had this before, but he became successful, you can be successful as well. And so that's, that's one thing that I always want to develop, nurture and instill into the lives and the minds of my students. Like yesterday, um, I had this student just having a hard time with retelling. I had this student and he has, anxiety issues and we're looking into him having autism but i told him see you can do this uh why is it that whenever i'm testing you that you seem to be empty and blank are are you nervous do you get nervous do, do you get anxious whenever you're tested and he told me yes remember this uh, you're capable of doing this and today you've shown me remember that mr c believed in you the next time I test you, always put that in, uh, in your head. Uh, find that voice first before telling me I'm ready for the retelling test, Mr. C, something like that. So, yeah, Mrs. Pinheiro is something yeah. that actually, um, that's actually the voice in me. And she helped me uh, overcome the struggles uh, in, my, in my life. That's yep. beautiful. Um, I, I can always remember her. Um, the only thing that I have to find out is, is she still alive? Because when I get the chance to go home to the Philippines, that I really have to like um, meet with her and thank her about the influence that she had in my life, especially now that I was put into the position of like uh, being the nor Northwest Regional Teacher or something like that. Although yeah. I've said that I don't <laughs> enjoy the... The attention that I'm getting, but mm. that was actually one of of um, the questions in the interview process that we have to go to go through, and um, I remember it was her name that I can easily remember to be somebody who told me some somebody who believed in me. So uh, the 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 lesson that we can get from here, Peter, is that if if there's a teacher who believed in a student, then more than likely that's that that student will remember the teacher and will be will become successful in life. Yeah, it's it's something that I think that 
some people might forget sometimes, even if they are a teacher, right? Their responsibility and the power that they have with their students, right? For yeah. good and for bad, right? That if whatever you say, something yeah. could stick with that person for the rest of their life and could impact them for the rest of their life. Like that's, that's a lot of power and that's you know a lot of positive impact that you can have. Yes, that is why um, as a teacher, and this is also the kind of training that, that we do in the Philippines, especially during my time. We're a little different this time and I hate it, but it's more <laughs> of before. When you're a teacher, you're expected to be uh, the role model. Right. Uh, you're, you're expected to be the catalyst of change. So you have to project yourself in a way that you show uh, good modeling to everybody in the community, that you have to project that when you're put in a, in, in, in a crowd that you have to stand out, that I'm a teacher because I'm dressed in this way, I speak in this way, and I have this influence. That I that I that whatever is whatever it is that I say will have an impact into the people around me and the community around me. So absolutely. Yeah. All right, the last quick ones we have for you is just what's something you wish more people knew about special education? What's something about special education you just think is more important than people might realize who don't have any experience with it? That our students are also capable. That our students are just like them. Our, my students may be different, but they are not less. So um, don't tell me that they only deserve this because they have special needs. No, um, they are human beings. They're capable of learning. They also deserve more. And um, that mindset, Peter, actually, uh, my wife had a, a not so good emotion yesterday because uh, it was my my son's concert, the one that I told you to yeah. to be autistic. Mm -hmm. And during the rehearsal in the morning, it's more of um, the teacher texted her that my son might not make it in the afternoon uh, because during the rehearsal he was throwing throwing a fit and he might throw a fit in the afternoon during the the final presentation. And so my wife, probably because of her blind spot, we call it blind spot, like our assumptions in life, that it, and so she was crying. And so I told her, uh, tell the teacher that we will go there. Uh, that, that, um, that Miles, that's, my, that's the name of my son, yes, yeah. will have to go and sing, okay? And so, when he came home in the afternoon, uh, Miles asked for a shower, and so I told my wife, give him a shower. That's going to help his, his mind setting. That should help him feel better. And so we did, and so we, we, we went to the concert, and my son stood up in there. Uh, you can see that he's different, but you know, he stood up in there. He never threw a fit. He was, he was just, because he has expressive limitations, so he can sing, but you know, he was uh, doing his head this way, which is a way of like going with the flow, yeah. and a way of going up that he's also performing and he did it. But my, my wife was actually feeling bad. And, and um, I really insisted to tell the teacher to uh, tell her that my son would have to perform because I don't want this feeling that 
because my son has a, has a limitation. He has this behavior tendency that he has to be excluded. No, um, I understand this work. I've done this work for 27 years. Um, I advocate for students. We want our students as much as possible to be exposed uh, to the best that we can possible. Um, but I, I also want my son to experience that. And um, so I, 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 one thing that I want people to know is that our students are not less, that they're, they're, they're just the same human beings like we are. And uh, they have needs. And, and that we can meet their needs, something like that. And so, yeah, that was our experience yesterday. And um, it made me realize, you know what? Um, a lot of teachers don't realize the amount of work that, that's, the, that's required in this job. That's why I said, hopefully that the, the Illinois, uh, the, the, the politicians will have to put in more money because we're doing a lot of work, Peter. Like there's a lot of demands in this yeah. work, and, but but there's less money that goes into the pocket. And so, I know as a person, I've spoken with my para ed because in a meeting today we get the chance to huddle with with this para ed who's mm -hmm. also working with somebody in my caseload that has autism. And uh, this afternoon, I've, I've I've learned that she also has a, she also has a son who is autistic. And so the end of our conversation was, you know what, uh, Mrs. So-and-so, uh, sad thing about what we're doing is that we give our best to the students that we serve. However, they don't do the same to our kids, which is sad, yeah. which is sad. And so as a teacher, I just have to continue advocating most especially uh, to, to the people and, and the students under my care. Yeah, and I'm sure it's got to feel personally for you after everything that you've been through in your life and with all of your experience in education, special education, yeah. to be able to not just advocate for your students, but advocate for your son. That's got to feel great. Yeah. yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. All right, well, the last one we had for you is, again, that same type of question, but what's something, and maybe we answered this throughout the course of the conversation, but what's something about being an educator in general that you wish more people knew? That, that, that this type of work is very demanding. That this type of job deserves a bigger pay. Um, I know I've heard of uh, your podcast or your report about teacher shortage because I actually uh, applied for Teach Plus. I probably will get it, uh, but I still have it. Uh, because they said that they will release the, the results next week. But part of um, the reportings and the, the, the work that we're reviewing was about reportings in, uh, on teacher shortage. And I think um, your reporting was, was one of those that we reviewed in which you said that you don't believe that there's teacher shortage. And I agree with you. It's just that teachers are not motivated because they don't find the sense of staying in the classroom, doing a lot of work while getting less pay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and it is really hard I, to, and it is really hard to find teachers specifically like in special education and in districts that serve low income students and students of color. Like those are the districts and those are the positions that are really hard to find people for. 
Yeah, but I know also, Peter, that there are districts who are not having trouble looking for special ed. Sure. And that's my old district. Like, if given the chance not to leave, if only they've sponsored for for my 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 work visa, Mm -hmm. I will not leave them. Like, my work condition. is not as better as the one I'm experiencing here in Illinois. However, they pay me well, and why would I leave a district yeah. uh, who gives me more money? And so, if Illinois will invest on giving higher pay, uh, incentivizing, uh, incentivizing like longer stay, uh, length of service, yeah. uh, teacher benefits things like that, teachers will not leave and we will not have teacher shortage. In fact, a lot of um, our teenagers will be more tempted to enroll in education because the pay is really that inviting. But it's not that thing that's happening in Illinois. And I think you've pointed that out in your reporting. I just can't remember what What's the title of that? But I know it was by Peter Medlin. And um, <laughs> yeah, and you were talking about it. And I, I agreed with, with your opinion that uh, it's more of you were asking that, do we really have teacher shortage? My take is we don't have. It's just that we don't pay our teachers. That's why they leave. Right. Yeah. Uh, and um, where, do, where do they go? They get into districts who pay them well, who incentivize them well. So... If we will do that in, in the state of Illinois, and I think we will not, we will resolve the issue of teacher shortage that we're that we're claiming. All right. Well, Eugene, that was all I had for you. Again, thank you so much for taking the time out of your day to chat with me. It was an absolute pleasure to get to hear about your experience and your story and your work. So, again, thank you so much for for taking the time. Thank you also for having me. Thank you so much for listening to Teacher's Lounge. As always, please do feel free to nominate a teacher in your life to be on the show. It's how we get great guests like Eugene. Please do send them our way to teacherslounge at niu.edu. And wherever you're hearing the podcast, please do subscribe, leave us a rating, share, whatever you can do. It's really the best way to get even more perspectives on our show. You can subscribe to the Teacher's Lounge newsletter. If you want to keep up to date with everything having to do with the show, you can find a link to do that on this episode's webpage over at wnij.org. A big thank you to the Northern Illinois band Kind Ofs for the music you hear each and every episode. A big thank you to Spencer Tritt for creating our Teacher's Lounge logo. And I've been your host, Peter Medlin, and we'll be back with a brand new episode of Teacher's Lounge very soon. See ya.